Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Uh, how are you doing this morning? Good. Hey, I've been up early. We added another service this Sunday morning, uh, 8.30. I know some of you, uh, you don't even believe in God at 8.30 in the morning, but uh, we're glad that you're here. It's really been a great weekend. As we've been kicking off this series, uh, it's complicated looking at love, dating, and marriage that works. And it can be complex. If you're dating, there are 2,500 different dating websites uh, that you could go on to find someone, or you could actually just talk to a person. That works as well. And uh, if you're married, uh, that can be a little bit complex. Uh, would you admit that, that there, uh, maybe you're married and uh, there's complexities there? What does society think about that? I've been a pastor for uh, about 25 years, been married for about 23 years, and I've had the opportunity to perform a lot of wedding ceremonies. Some of the vows are, are written by the couple. Those are very personal. Most people still opt for the traditional vows. And the construct for this series uh, is really going to be those vows. We're going to look at uh, what they mean. We're going to be going through the Bible, of course, but it's not going to be a typical book study of the Bible. Uh, today I'm going to be primarily in the book of Proverbs. And you've heard the vows many times at a wedding ceremony. Uh, it would, I, uh, for me, my wife is Terry, it'd be, I, Ben, I take you, Terry, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, uh, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do we part. And those are powerful vows, aren't they? They're also sort of a scary promise. Do you realize what that is? Is that I... I promise to love you sick and broke till we're dead. That's basically uh, what you uh, promised in those vows. Some of you are saying, okay, I'm not sure I'm excited about that. Uh, the Bible uh, really gives us a framework for that. Uh, we look in Genesis 2, 24. It says, that is why a man uh, leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. If you're a note taker, you can underline, they become one flesh. That's God's uh, intent for a relationship, uh, that, uh, that a man and woman would come together and they would experience that unity. But that's uh, not always what we experience. Many of you have gone through uh, the regret of a relationship that you never maybe felt like you should have been in the first place, or the pain of divorce, or the loneliness of being single, or the loneliness inside a marriage relationship, or the anxiety over, am I going to find that one I love? Or the complication is society changes and, and comes up with, uh, or is trying to come up with their own definitions of what relationships would look like. Is, is that what I'm going to buy into? Does that even work? Or does God have a plan in the midst of this? 
If this is confusing for you, don't feel bad. Uh, even the, the, the writer of the Proverbs, uh, wisest person who ever lived, uh, wrote this. There are three things that amaze me, no four things I don't understand. Uh, how an eagle glides through the sky, how a snake slithers on the rock, uh, how a ship navigates the ocean, and how a man loves a woman. He's saying, you know, I don't even get it, but I'm going to try uh, to navigate this. And oftentimes what we, when we do, uh, we can get it wrong, can't we? There's a, uh, a Twitter uh, hashtag called Unhinged Dating Tips. And these are dating tips that people uh, gave. Uh, here's one. Uh, it'll be up on the screen. Correct their grammar at every opportunity. You'll look clever and they'll appreciate benefiting from your wisdom. Uh, if he, another one, if he does not answer your text in the first 10 minutes, keep on sending him texts until he does. Uh, number three, look right into their eyes as you stuff those breadsticks into your bag. If they help you, they're a keeper. Now, I believe that is true. That's a good one. Uh, or this one, uh, sit have, having text conversations on your phone. She'll appreciate the challenge of winning your attention. Uh, no, she won't. Uh, it's, it's really complicated, isn't it? Love and, and marriage and dating. And especially when you look at uh, dating and search, looking for love, what we're looking at today. Uh, it used to be in ancient society, some societies today, although less and less, there would be arranged marriages. And you didn't even have to think about it. I have two daughters and I'm like hoping that comes back in style. Uh, but I doubt it will. We get to make our own choice. And so today uh, will be uh, a day where I'm going to focus primarily on those who are dating or looking for love, although there will be applications for those of us who are married as well. And I'm going to have some fun with this, and we're going to look at some do's and don'ts of uh, finding the one. So if you're taking notes, the first one is don't rush the relationship. Now, as I say this, I have to admit I feel a little bit like a hypocrite because my wife and I, I tell people we dated for five months before we were engaged. That's not totally true. We dated for almost five months before we were engaged, and then about seven months later, uh, we got married. Now, the good news is I think it might work out. That's the good news. Uh, we've been married for over 23 years at this point. Here's the bad news is because we hadn't worked through as much as we could have and should have, uh, we had problems in really the first years, number of years of our marriage, first seven years in particular, that were more profound than we needed to experience. And uh, that's why it's important not uh, to rush this. And it's, it's so significant. And God gives us instruction. And it says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. See, there's uh, scientific research on what happens in our brain. Dr. Helen Fisher of Rutgers University, she's a biological anthropologist. I don't think she's a Christian, but uh, her studies still hold true. She, she studied not only uh, from a uh, psychological perspective, it was really more from a biological perspective, what happens when we're in love. And she's written extensive work on that. She actually is a consultant, makes a, bit, a lot of money working with these uh, dating websites, big ones like Match.com. Uh, 
And, and she basically describes it this way. This is a picture of a normal brain. This is a brain, your everyday brain and how it works. And, but in the first uh, up to 12 to 18 months of, of, especially the first 12 months, your brain activity looks a little bit more like this. And so uh, if you say someone has lost their mind, you're, they've lost half their mind. That's what's happened to them. And then a brain, once, uh, once sexual activity is involved, your brain looks something like this. <laughs> yeah, so you really have this uh, diminished capacity to make rational decisions if you haven't pre-made those decisions. And so here's what we'll do is we'll usually rush things in one of two areas. One is emotionally. We'll be, oh, this is the one. And, and this is a little bit of a generalization, but generally true. Uh, I'll do weddings, and some of the guys are like, you know, this is, uh, this is sort of crazy. It's like she had this whole thing planned before she met me. She did. <laughs> I just say, you're a prop, brother. That's really what you are. Uh, enjoy, enjoy this. So uh, we can have this. We're in love with the idea of Love, and we can get emotionally attached uh, too soon in a relationship. Uh, and then uh, also there's physically. And this is where uh, there's chemistry. Uh, there's, there's that sense of, oh, this is the one. And we'll rush physically uh, into a relationship. Now, God is pretty clear uh, when he designed sexuality. By the way, uh, God designed it. He's not embarrassed about sex. It was his idea. I, I love the Lord. You know, <laughs> so it, he really, he's, no, it's totally his idea. It's not like Adam and Eve came from behind a bush and said, hey, guess what? We discovered God. Uh, it didn't happen that way. It was God's original plan. But he gave a context in which that's to occur in, in the marriage relationship. Uh, and you might say, hey, I don't believe in that. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to. You, you can, this is America. You get to do anything you want. But the Scripture is not ambiguous in any way whatsoever, Old Testament, New Testament teachings of Jesus. So all I would say is, just seriously, the Scripture is super clear on this multiple times that God's designed for it. Now, you can say, I don't want to do that. That's up to you. That's America. But Here's the other thing I would say is just please don't do the thing that I've seen so much. When you go your own way and then it's like you blame God for the outcome of actions he told you not to take. And then you ask where was God? He was saying don't. That's where God was. And so like I said, I'll still love you. I'll still be your pastor. But, but don't feel, say I don't feel God anymore when you're moving in that direction. It says, it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Now, as I say this, I know there are some of us, we're, we're in this and we're like, okay, and now I feel this wave of regret. Maybe it's for a past relationship or, or, or something that's happened there. If you're a Christ follower and you've come to Jesus and you've invited him into your life, 
The, the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, that far he removes our sins from us. It says he will remember our sins no more in the book of Hebrews. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we are faithful to, con- if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't hold on to something that God has already let go of. Because otherwise you'll let it control your future. And sometimes, honestly, what it'll cause, it'll cause, cause you to go back in those patterns of behavior. You are forgiven through Jesus Christ. And, and God loves you so much, he's just saying, the natural outcome of this, you going your own way, is not going to be good. Usually in a church, here's what happens as a pastor tries to scare people. Oh, you better not, you know, instead of using the biblical uh, thing. You better not, because if you have sex outside of marriage, you're going to get uh, a disease or an unwanted pregnancy, and the Seahawks will never win a game again, you know. Uh, the truth is, there's a lot of those things can be taken care of with uh, contraceptives, a condom, that. Here's what it can't, your heart. That won't that won't help your heart. Whenever you emotionally attach, whenever you physically attach with someone, there is a bond. If you say, man, I feel really connected, you are connected. But know this, every dating relationship you're in will end with a breakup, except for one. I'm Mr. Encouragement today, aren't I? <laughs> Everyone will end with a breakup, and it'll be painful and hard. And so if, if we've connected in that way, that we're going to love you and help you through it and try to help you heal. But, but I want to just be clear uh, ahead of time. Decide what you're looking for ahead of time. Write it down. Include people in your life who can share wisdom with you. In Proverbs, we're told, uh, plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. The goal is to become friends. And by the way, if you're married... The goal is still to become friends. And, and, and here's what I'll get sometimes from married couples. Oh yeah, all the reasons why we're not friends. Okay. That's totally not helpful for you to vent or blame. Do you, do you want to be stuck there or do you want to move on? Become friends. And, and that, that, that's what you, I'll talk about our re-engage ministry and that and things like that. You got to learn how to become friends with each other because that chemistry man it, it after 12 or 18 months it sort of changes that six pack becomes a mini keg you know uh, things change a little bit oh sad but true anyway uh also do a pay attention to the warning signs uh this is really important when you're dating uh, if, you're, if you're married, I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, but if you're uh, dating, you've got to look at But here's the problem, is the things we value the most later in a marriage aren't the things we look for first. I mean, I even met my wife. I was pastor uh, at a college pastor at a large church. And I met my wife in church. And the first thing, I saw her across the room, and the first thing I didn't say, whoa, look at that character. Awesome. <laughs> I won't tell you what I was checking out, but the, it started with this physical attraction. And that God put that in you. That's a good thing. Used in its proper context. 
But the character is the thing that will determine whether or not you're happy in your marriage, whether it succeeds or not. Because it's what she said she would do, but she doesn't do, or what she said she'd always do, what she doesn't do anymore. Those are the, that's what brings people, that's why therapists make good money. It all has to do with character. In fact, look at it this way. One issue alone, the scripture talks about this again and again, uh, about anger. It says in Proverbs 29, 22, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Actually, uh, that's used in the gender neutral in many or most translations, uh, although I like to use the NIV in particular most of the times, it says an angry man. And I think that's true. Men in general struggle with anger on some level. There may be a few, but I, I'd say you're the exception. If you don't, you're very... But does anger control? Does he kick the wall? Does he throw something? Be careful. Does he chew out people in a restaurant? Because you know who he'll be kicking and throwing and chewing out? Be careful with the danger signs. Now, I said this at the uh, Saturday night service, and literally the ladies applauded right up until the point I read the next verse. Proverbs 21.9. Ladies, you're not off the hook. Better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Uh, now, at the 8.30 service, a guy clapped, and he will regret it for the rest of his life, so don't do that. Now... But I have to tell you, one thing that I found interesting here, and some people you're like wondering how the Bible applies to life. Do you realize, look at that verse, is that is biblical justification for the man cave. We have it right there uh, in the Bible. Uh, we, we can so we have this, and, and what do you do if there's uh, these warning signs? Uh, if the warning signs are bad and you're single, Pressed eject. Just, here's the thing, and I don't say this to be mean, and you certainly shouldn't be mean because you're dealing with a human being. But dating, by its nature, is a temporary relationship that you can end at any time for any reason. Any time for any reason. Any time for any reason. And so I, I know how it is. Before I met my wife, I was in a relationship dating someone for over two years. And uh, there was always, and I sort of didn't feel good about the relationship, but there was always this drama and trauma. And so it's like, oh, I feel bad breaking up with her, but I didn't. And then she broke up with me, which can you believe that? And uh, it, was, it was one of those things. I knew that I should uh, not be in the relationship. And some of you have a hard time with that. I've said it before. If you have a hard time and you can't do it, I'm your pastor. I will help you. Give me your cell phone. Dial them up. I will call them. I'll break up with them for you. I will. I'll be kind. I'll say, hey, you know what? Jesus loves you. Sarah doesn't anymore. So it's over. <laughs> and uh, uh, so it's okay to press the eject button. Just don't be mean. This is someone who matters to God. Uh, if if you're married, get help. If and married people, please listen to this. If you've you know sort of been uh, uh, you know checking out the uh, pregame show or something for the Hawks, you got to listen to this really really closely. Uh, if you're married, 
and there are some warning signs, get help. Here's what you believe. The intensity of effort I put in will determine the outcome. You're wrong. The earlier you address it will primarily determine the outcome. You can have way less effort and intensity early on with way better results than it's over, now I'm going to do anything. And I know some of you have been there, and again, the past is in the past. Jesus wants you to move beyond it into a future. He has a plan and a purpose for you. But some of you, you're like this, is, oh, yeah, it'll just work itself out. It won't work itself out. He's not going to get clean and sober on his own. Uh, it's, it, whatever, the, whatever the situation is, she's not going to, uh, maybe there's a lack of affection. That's not going to happen on its own. You need to get help. Like a, a buddy of mine, uh, we knew each other in high school, and, and uh, man, a good guy in his marriage was struggling a little bit, and I asked him, man, if there's any way I can uh, be of help. He's like, no, 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 we're going to figure it out, we're going to figure it out. I mean, he lives far away, it's like, you know, I'm not going to like try to get you to come to my church or anything, I just, someone who I care about. No, 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 and, and by the looks of Facebook, it was awesome, right up until it's like, hey, it's over pray for me, I'm going to try one last ditch effort, and, and that didn't work. And my, would, have, would have early effort solved the problem? Absolutely. No. Would it give him a better chance? Significantly. Significantly. So early is better than later. Early. It's just a matter of how, how important your marriage is to you. It will take priority. Isn't it funny? Because we talked about this. There's so many things in life, aren't there? There are, uh, you know, there's uh, work, and there's, you know, trying to stay in shape, and there's kids' games and events and activities, and there's, there's all sorts of things going on. There's too much in your life that you, you won't be able to accomplish at all. But know that today, not tomorrow, not, not on Monday, you're deciding what the outcome is going to be in the most important things of your life. Because you're going to put those to the front of the line. I said that about a relationship with God. Even with kids, I said, you know, talking last week, it's like, hey, I get it. I mean, there's, you know, Satan schedules soccer games at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. And uh, so I, I get it. But, you know, that's why we offer three services on Sunday, one Saturday. And you say, oh, I don't know if I can go that. You're making a decision and there's going to be an outcome. And usually people come when their kid's 15 years old and this going to end, oh, can you help me? I'll do everything because I, I, I love you and I love your kid. But uh, what decisions are you making today with your family and in your marriage? Uh, now, we, have, we want to help, by the way. Uh, uh, we, sort, sort of funny, we was talking about uh, our re-engage ministry and someone is is like, well, is that, is that a good deal for you? Well, it costs us lots of time and money, but you know what? We believe in marriages. We had 150 people go through it. And I looked at the evaluations, and we'd see that marriages went from a 3 to an 8, and from a 7 to a 9, and from a 2 to a 6, as they evaluated. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's grief. I don't know. Maybe it's finances. Sex and money are the things people fight over. We want to help you, but we can only help you if you let us. We're not going to intrude into your life. But don't wait till next season 
to solve this season's issues and problems. Number three, and this can sound like it's contradictory, don't expect perfection. At the same time, we, you know, we, we can buy into this myth of, of perfection. In fact, I, I, I will get this, I'll talk to uh, you know, a young man or a young lady, and, and, and I'll ask uh, her, you'd be dating, and I'll say, hey, what are, you know, what are some, of the, some of his faults? And it'll be, I'll get this answer often. Here's the amazing thing. He doesn't have any. You know, the truth is, we all have faults. We buy into this myth. And then you think about this, uh, even some of the fairy tales we buy into, uh, like Cinderella. You know where that comes from? It comes from an Egyptian mythology. And it's uh, Rodophus, I believe, is the, uh, uh, the, the young girl's name in, in, in the fairy tale. You know what the fairy tale really is? Is she's there, a bird takes her slipper, uh, and it's dropped in a prince's lap. He sees it as a sign from the gods. He goes searching for her, says he's going to make whoever has a, the slipper their princess. Her, their sisters chop off part of the feet to fit in the shoe. And then the gods punish them for lying by sending birds to peck out their eyes and their beggars for the rest of their life. The end. Happy story. <laughs> and you're like, I don't like that fairy tale very much. And, you know, we, we, we sometimes can live in this. Uh, you know, I, well, we're, you're saying, that's not how it happened on the Lifetime channel. Well, that's, that's not how life happens. It says in Proverbs 20, verse 9, who can say I kept my heart pure, that I'm clean and without sin? I'm not saying that's an excuse for sin. I'm saying, can we recognize that we come as broken people to God? Well, number four, do ask the question, do they bring out the best in me? Am I at my best or my worst when I'm around them? Here's a good thing for you to ask yourself is do you feel better about you when you're with them, if you're dating? Now, sometimes I've seen this, I f where they'll say, I feel great about him or her, but I feel a little bit smaller. If that's the case, that'll only intensify, run, that is the wrong relationship, no, no matter what else is right. Have you ever been around those people where you feel better about you? In fact, in a weird way, you, you sort of, you think they're okay, but it's not about how great they are, but you feel awesome about you. When you're around someone like that, that person, put a ring on it, marry him. <laughs> uh, that person is a keeper. That's the kind of person you could live with for the rest of your life. See, it's important to give thought to our ways. It says, the simple believe everything, anything, but the prudent give thoughts to their steps. Well, what does it look like to bring out the best in a person? The scripture says this. We're given the fruits of the spirits in the book of Galatians. See if this is true of you or what's brought out in you. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which also can mean patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If that's the fruit of it. And by the way, if you're married, why don't you look at that? Why don't you take that home as homework and say, hey, can, can we bring this out in each other a little bit more? Maybe there's not as much joy in your marriage. Don't delay. Don't delay joy in your marriage. 
Come, come before Jesus together and say, you know what, we are going to experience more of what God wants for us. See, that's what God, this is not being narcissistic. God wants you to have peace and joy and goodness and to be faithful and gentle. And that really leads to my last point is this. Don't forget God's purpose for your life. The scripture uh, puts it this way. Uh, Proverbs 31.30, I looked at uh, this on Mother's Day. Uh, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I know being married to someone uh, who is still beautiful on the outside but is very beautiful on the inside, that that's incredibly true. That, that that will bring you joy. It says, blessed are those who find wisdom and those who gain understanding. Jesus put it this way in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We all remember the, uh, I can't remember the, it was one of the Tom Cruise movies where you complete me. Which, which movie was that? Jerry Maguire, yeah, I'll remember, never watch that movie. The, uh, so here, here's, here's the truth is we like that idea because we do feel the sense of we want that. But another person will never complete you. Uh, if you come broken and incomplete, two incomplete people coming together are two incomplete people. They don't make a whole. It's what we are, what we bring to the relationship. It says in Proverbs 19.22, what a person desires is unfailing love. It's interesting, there are 40 times that phrase unfailing love, and we all want that, don't we? 40 times in the Bible unfailing love is used. It's never used of a human relationship. And that's no, it's only used of God's love. Because God will never reject you, call you ugly or stupid or say anything like that. God's love is transformational. I was talking to a couple in Saturday night service. So cool. I've uh, got to see uh, uh, this guy. First met him at a, at a Seahawks game. He had just come, said yes to Jesus uh, at the church. And then he went through the path and uh, God started working in his life and recovery and all of that. And, and uh, now he's married. And I think it's because he brought that unfailing love of God with him. Another guy, Chris, who I met a number of years back, uh, he sort of was raised in a, an environment where they sort of went to church Christmas and Easter kind of faith. And then gave up on it all together when he was 15 because of his parents' divorce and the pain and that. And it sort of went on a downward spiral. And that's when we got the opportunity to meet him. But he was at that point where he was giving God a chance. And it's amazing. He was seeking that first, just like the Bible says, seek first God and his kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. And it's been great being able to see that as part of Chris's story. And so I want you to hear Uh, his story. Take a look at this. My name is Chris. Uh, I first came to Timberlake about seven years ago. Growing up, we almost never went to church. You know, I remember maybe a handful of times where we would go on Easter, uh, Easter Sunday, you know, it was a big deal. So at the age of 15, my father and mother divorced. And I had come to this point where it, it felt like my life had completely fallen apart. 
I, I basically had blamed God for allowing my parents to get divorced and therefore I was turning my back on God because at that point I truly felt like I did all these good things by you know trying to be a better person and getting baptized and going through all the stuff just to only have all of these bad things happen to me this 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 destruction of my you know my family you know and 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 the separation of my parents uh, became a very very big thing for me I, I i had become um addicted to alcohol and drugs to the to the extent that my family no longer wanted to have anything to do with me and it was at that point on for the next 15 years that i really had walked away from church walked away from god walked away from um anything that was really kind of a positive influence in my life. And I didn't know what to do about that, though. And so I actually was in a place of very uh, fear, a lot of uh, hopelessness, a lot of despair. And one night, I basically said out loud, I said, God, if you really do exist, if you really are out there, I need help. I don't know what to do. Please help me driving around to church after church after church trying to find a place that fit me the a place that really finally felt like home for me it was in that driving around that i had come across a little sign by the side of the road that had timberlake's uh, uh, name on it and it had an arrow and i kind of followed it all the way to timberlake i sat down and listened to ben's message and the positive message that he had made me want the relationship that he had explained in that message um, with Jesus. I, I knew that at, at, at the core level of who I was, that's what I was looking for, is a one-on-one -on -one thing, that it didn't require anybody else to be involved. It was truly me coming to him, asking for him to come into my heart and in my life, and it was at that point that I think that I actually started to have a very tangible relationship with Jesus. Now, you know, it took uh, uh, another year before I came to grips with my addiction to the point where um, I could actually begin that journey. And so it was through coming to Timberlake along with working this program that I came to a place where, um, you know, I, I was allowed to grow and in understanding and in faith. Now, it's been six years uh, of, of sobriety and my life has completely changed through trusting in God and trusting in that relationship that I'm building with Jesus. My life has changed in so many different ways that I can't even begin to tell you. Now I have an opportunity to share that with somebody. I got married in July to my wife, Sarah, who is near and dear to my heart and always will be. And our relationship gets to continue to grow. I've gotten to go different places. I've gotten a different job now that takes me all over the world. I, I get to have this family and this wife that um, is so amazing that, that I couldn't have ever imagined it. No matter how broken you think you are or how broken you really are, that God can make you whole again, that Jesus can help make you whole again. And 
no matter what your situation is, you can bring that situation to Jesus and actually be restored. There is hope in Jesus, 100%. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you uh, that we can come to you and we can find that hope. Lord, I pray for my friends who are here and uh, they, they know you, but God, there's a struggle, whether it's in their uh, being single or being single again, or even in their marriage. And God, I pray that over the next few weeks that, God, that you would be present in such a way that there would be miracles of biblical proportions. God, that we would see you move powerfully. God, I pray for my friends who are here and, and they're like Chris and, and haven't yet made that decision. Maybe God spoke to you through his story and, and, and you say, you know, I can't ever remember a time inviting Jesus Christ to be the Lord and leader of my life. See, Jesus won't force his way into your life. It only happens when you invite him in. And when you do, there's a transformation that takes place from the inside out. It's not about behaving a certain way. It's about believing that God in you, leading you, can change all those other things. And if you want that, I want to encourage you to, to invite them in, to take this opportunity that today would be your day. And so if you'd pray with me, I'm going to pray out loud. You pray silently. We don't have you raise your hand, come forward. We're not going to embarrass you in some way. But you just talk to God and say something like this. God, I, I, I place my hope in you. I have hope because of you. And I want that in my life. I want that hope. And that hope that comes through a relationship with you. That knowing that, that when you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, that, that, that forgiveness was not just for the whole world. That was for me, and I need that. And so I ask you to forgive me, Lord, to lead me and, and be the leader of, and Lord of my life. And the scripture says when we've invited Jesus into our life, that we can be assured of his presence in this life and in the next. And heaven is a real place. Heaven's as real as anything you'll experience. In fact, it's a place that God has prepared for you. But God wants to meet you this side of heaven and work in your life as well. The scripture says that as we place our hope in Jesus, we're to confess it to him, but we're also to say it to someone else as well. And so here's what we do. This is our tradition to give you sort of a first step in this. If you invited Jesus Christ into your life, I would ask you to do something that would uh, maybe be a bold move for you, but with everyone's eyes closed, head bowed, even up on stage, I want to give you a sense of privacy in a public place. But would you just uh, let me be the first to know that you would indicate that step of faith, uh, like I said, not by coming forward or raising your hand, but simply by looking up at me. I'm going to look to my right and your left. And if you said yes to Jesus today, would you just simply let your eyes meet mine? And in the center section, too. That's great. That's great. Anyone else in the center section? That's great. And I moved to my left. That's awesome. Way to go. Way to go. All right. That's great. Up in the balcony. Say, that's my decision today. In the parent viewing room. 
God, I just thank you for my friends who are putting their, their hope and their faith and their trust in you. And God, I pray that you would walk with them through this adventure. That just as we heard in Chris's story, that, that their story would be something like this, something like the promise that you gave us. Seek first you, God, and your kingdom, and all these other things will be added. God, we, we, we are expecting great things because you're a great God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.